What I say to people is, if you aren't feeling imposter syndrome, you've probably been in your role for too long. There should be 40% ahead of you that you don't know, or you should be thinking about, hey, what's my next promotion? Or what's my next role opportunity? Because growing, especially in the tech industry, is such an important skill. This is In Her Element, a podcast from BCG. I'm Corinne Lyons. And I'm Andrea Gallego. Each episode of this podcast, we're speaking to amazing women making an impact in STEM. We'll hear stories of all the incredible opportunities that exist in this industry that we love. Today, we're speaking with Elena Percival. She's the CEO of Women Who Code. So to give a bit of background on Women Who Code, they are the largest and most active community for technical women in the world. They have close to 300,000 members across 134 countries. They host events every day of the year and they are deeply dedicated to access for women and all of their programming is free or scholarship accessible. It was so great to get to bring Elena onto the show. And we've also been really lucky to get to collaborate with Elena and Women Who Code. In our most recent collaboration with Women Who Code and BCG, we've been working really, really hard to survey all of their community to understand why they're resigning from jobs or leaving jobs and why it's so hard to get back into work, including how we can use that survey data to help promote reskilling and upskilling and help bring all of our women back into the workforce. Why don't we start off by letting our audience know a little bit more about you, your background, and and your path to becoming the CEO of Women Who Code? So I actually have meandered in my path. I, I think so many people do this in their lives, but I started off my career over in Germany. I, I uh, went over with a congressional exchange scholarship and ended up getting a job with Puma. I lived in Germany for four years. I moved back to um, the United States and I did a, a dual degree MBA program. And I go to work for a really small women's performance footwear company. And so going there really taught me what it's like to work at a at a startup. And so I had this chance to move out to the Bay Area. And it was one of the places where, you know, if you get to move to San Francisco, go for it. But once I got there, I was struggling because I'd had this really strong career in traditional industry, but it wasn't translating for me into the tech industry. So I started just getting involved with the community. I taught myself to code. I had cool side projects. It was very San Francisco. And I um, eventually ended up at a startup that got acquired by Yahoo. So I had my my tech credibility and I was doing women who code in my nights and weekends, just falling in love with spending time with smart women, excited about technology. And I decided to take a role at a company that had, it was a technical recruiting company. It really focused in on executive recruiting and I was their head of developer outreach. So I got to spend my time with vice presidents of engineering, CTOs, funded founders. And I found out and I realized that fewer than 5% of them were women. And I brought that into what Women Who Code was doing. And that's really when our mission around excelling in your technology careers came about because it was 
just such a big and important opportunity for women to be having access and and winning these amazing roles. So first of all, what an amazing, I mean, what a pathway to where you are today in terms of just like working for some very reputable and amazing companies and then going to a niche company that sort of competes against the company you were you were in. I feel like personally in a lot of those situations is when, you know, what we all know as the near and dear imposter syndrome sort of like raises its hand and it's like, you know, I'm here and, you know, you don't belong or, you know, you're not good enough for this role or, oh my God, all these people are so senior and now you're managing up to these folks. Did you ever run into that? And I mean, you just seem so brave taking on all of these roles. How do you sort of deal with that with such confidence and and grace? So I feel like constantly. I still feel it. Um, But I love a challenge. And so I think that's where I dig deep. Like when I decided to move to Germany, I did it because I wanted a challenge. When I completely changed my career into the tech industry, I wanted that challenge. What I say to people is, if you aren't feeling imposter syndrome, you've probably been in your role for too long. There should be 40% ahead of you that you don't know, or you should be thinking about, hey, what's my next promotion? Or what's my next role opportunity? Because growing, especially in the tech industry, is such an important skill. I love that ratio of like 60% is sort of, okay, you know, I can get by, do my day to day. And that 40% is that bit that's sort of that feeling that keeps you on your, on your toes. So I'm going to personally have like a post-it note. (laughs) It's like, am I really 40% sort of still learning or, or have I gotten too comfortable? Um, So I, I hope our audience takes that as a nugget of, of wisdom as well. So we saw in a fact sheet and, you know, I, I feel this personally every day at work too, that women are just, you know, it's, we still only make up 26% of professional computing jobs. And this number always drives me crazy because I always, I mean, everybody knows this, right? But I always go back to the Ada Lovelaces and the Grace Hoppers of the world. And it's ultra frustrating when I know that women kind of founded computer science and yet we're so underrepresented in every angle of computing. Why do you think that still is? Yeah. So, Women's representation, as you've just referenced, has actually gone down. And CS majors peaked um, in really the 80s, around 94, and has actually gone down. So what we saw around that time is all of these, this pop culture, you know, really portraying software engineering as hacking and nefarious and like you're a smelly person in your parents' basement (laughs) and ads for computers were targeted at boys instead of, you know, being gender neutral. And so what we've really seen is 30 years of women and girls being told it's not the industry for them. It's not the path for them. And it's, to be honest, so far from the reality of what it is to be a software engineer where, you know, you're working in beautiful offices and you have amazing (laughs) career opportunities and it's high paid and flexible and it's only going to be better with more women in the industry. You were just making me think of, you know, one, I love what you said about beautiful office spaces and because one of the things we're trying to also do is explain to everyone that listens to this podcast that these stereotypes are just not 
they're so far from the truth, right? No, men are not better at math than women. Like that has been, there's so much science that is backing that that is simply not true. And that it is a comfortable role and that there are many, many, many roles where you can be in computing and have a flexible lifestyle and have work-life balance. And you just have to sort of look and and feel that there's a place there for you. So I hope that women listening to this know that that's to sort of avoid the the stereotypes and I guess in in some ways tell them to avoid pop culture, but I'm not sure how, you know, how, how easy that is since we're sort of like all, you know, so kind of mentally built by all everything we see around us. Um, do you think that's getting better? Do you think social media and pop culture are starting to represent women in a more, in a better way when it comes to, to tech? Yeah, I, I definitely have seen a shift I also just think it's so important um, to create a, a cultural shift around making it a little more more comfortable for women to talk about their career successes and a little bit more comfortable for society to hear us do it. And the reason this is so important, I mean, there's many reasons, but specifically to this point is when you look at the media, you know, there'll be like a handful, you know, five, six women in tech who are like the official women in tech who the media always go to. But it's because it's a little more uncomfortable for women to put themselves out there as experts, as um, people who are leading in the industry. But there's in fact thousands of women who are truly role models, who are creating and building and leading in this industry, who we, you know, if you are listening and having trouble elevating yourself and what you're doing. Think of actually doing it for the people who are coming after you. Think of it as an altruistic deed because women in the industry, women thinking about joining in the industry and girls need to hear your voice. They need to see that you are succeeding because you represent their pathway into the tech industry. And having those role models is just so critical to be able to see your own path to success. And because women tend to be penalized for putting themselves out there, for representing the success that they're bringing to companies, you see it a little bit less often, but it's actually critical for the people around you and the people coming after you. Yes. And and double yes to the altruistic piece, right? I mean, just pay it forward, right? I have been so lucky to have, you know, women like you. I have a couple of female managers and it's just like we just want to let other women know that we're staying in these roles and we're rising to leadership positions so that there we, you know, create those spaces for them and those slots for them so that they can continue to also grow and and rise the, you know, the the ultimate ladder of, of career progression, as we all call it. And so, yes, thank you so much. I know, I know that's really going to resonate with, with everyone. What, what I'm going to say this and hope that no one takes it the wrong way, but have you ever been sort of mansplained to in tech or have you dealt with anything and how have you sort of, you know, how have you uh, navigated? Yeah, it, I mean, it certainly happens. And when it's, Something that's blatantly um, sexist, like, oh, I I have a, a board member who is very senior in the tech industry, and she said she had a, a man come in and say, oh, you know, I haven't had to explain architecture to a woman before. She was like, it's exactly the same. You can just keep going. Um, and when, <laughs> when it's so blatant as that, it's easy to externalize it and say, oh, this is a product of sexism. But when it's more subtle, it's 
it becomes very difficult to not feed into your, do I belong? Am I good enough? That voice that goes around in your head. And it minimizes your contributions and your knowledge and forces you to constantly be proving how senior or that you are technical at all. And that's energy um, that is wasted and could be spent actually creating, building, and leading. Oh, yes. The subtle pieces are the absolute most difficult, right? Because I could not just that resonates so much. Like it, you're not even realizing that it's forming a particular thought in your head. And, and then it just becomes something that's either stopping you from success or having you always second guess yourself. Are there any tools or, or tricks or advice that you have for our, our women if that, if they sort of feel that that's starting to happen? Yeah. I think finding a space to share out you know, these things and these uh, feelings, like with women who code, so shameless plug. But what tends to happen is you're facing these biases. And if you complained about any of these one little teeny tiny, you know, death by a thousand cuts, you're the weird person who complains. But if you're in a space where you can bring something up and people can say, oh yeah, that happens to me too. This is what I did. Or, oh yeah, that's absolutely, you know, product of uh, bias and culture. That That's not you. It, it helps you to keep moving because it isn't typically one big thing that pushes you out of tech or that makes you feel as though you don't belong or causes you to leave your job. It tends to be something that's built up. And when it is these small things, it can wear you down and cause you to to burn out, to feel as though, you know, you need to leave the industry. And that is the tragedy, actually. We did a, a study actually with, with Boston Consulting Group and 50% of senior engineers are, are thinking of leaving the industry right now. And what that means for the company is a $190,000 investment to replace that person. And that doesn't include the opportunity costs. So the cost of the productivity uh, while the next person is being found and brought up to speed. But what it means for the individual, if she decides to go into a different successful career path that isn't her chosen technology path, is a lifetime drop in earnings of $1.7 million. And so it's critical for us to keep, you know, the 50% of women most likely to leave the tech industry around that 10-year mark in their careers because that is a meaningful impact on the lifetime earnings that, you know, she then reinvests in her family and her community. This issue of women leaving the industry is really, really astounding. I mean, it is just, you know, you thought, okay, first year of COVID, get it. Second year, kind of get it. Now you're like, uh-oh, hold on a second. What's what's going on? Like, we need to keep these women in the industry. You You work with these women every day. You work with female leaders as organizations, as leaders in the industry, like what can we be doing to keep women in, in tech, to keep them in the workplace and retain them? What, what do you think we should be doing better or more of, less of? Make sure that they they see their career path within the organization. Make sure that they're paid fairly. And when I say see their 
career path, um, help them to know what their next step is in the organization and the one after that, and to really help drive clarity around what the steps are to make it to those roles. And since women do wait until often they have all of the skills, remember going back to that 40%, you should be applying for a job where you don't have all of the skills, but women typically wait until um, they have all or nearly all of the skills and often sometimes are are doing major pieces of, of the promotion that they're trying to move into. So what what you can do is tell them to apply sooner, like encourage them to be moving forward and elevating in, in their careers. And uh, women out there, when you have identified something that you want, tell people, tell people again. When the role becomes available, remind people that you are interested in, in that role. Ask them what it takes to get there. And if people aren't listening, there's other opportunities out there for you. The tech industry has, has so many open roles and you are uh, highly in demand, but work within your organization and make sure that people know that you want what you want because they won't pay attention close enough to identify it for you. You have to elevate your your own voice and your own goals. I love that. It's, you know, as much as we've been at this as a community, I feel that it's still being defined, like you said, right? There's so many, there's so many instances where even personally I've been told, well, you know, you're paving a new path, so you need to let us know. Or there's not that many of you in your role, so you need to let us know. And, you know, it could be considered a bad thing, but I think it's also a good thing that because we are still building sort of what it means to be a female leader in tech and in digital, it also gives us a ton of editing power to say like, this is the path that I want. And I, I think you're right. We have to keep reinforcing that, you know, speak up. And if speaking up doesn't work at your current organization, go to an organization where speaking up is okay and it, and it does work, right? And so I really, I love that feedback. What's, you know, one piece of advice you'd give to all of our listeners from all of your, you know, many years of experience and yeah, what's the one thing you'd, you'd want to tell them? Gosh, I would say that the the speak up, <laughs> tell people what what you want is really my my big one. But if you're a little more junior in your career, or if you've just been at a company for a very long time and haven't been connecting with other people, in this day and age, it's so easy to connect. And what I recommend is talk to people in the industry, set up a you know message people on LinkedIn or on Twitter and just say, hey, you know, would you be willing to talk to me about what you love about your job for 15 minutes? And ask them why they chose their company, what their company really liked about about them, what they love about their role. And you know what? At the end, say, hey, if I decided to apply to a job within your company or if I decided to apply for a job within your team or department, would you be willing to refer me? because it's just setting the the tone for supporting one another. And what I find in the tech industry is people tend to be very accessible. And if you make it easy, they really want to help you and are willing to do so. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Elena. I know you're, I know you're busy and I really, really appreciate your time. I know our audience will We'll love hearing this. And so thank you so, so much. Thank you for having me and thank you for elevating and supporting women who code. 
So I'm wondering, Corinne, having listened to the interview now, what are some of the things that stand out to you about this conversation with Elena? I thought your guys' conversation was so... It was truly, personally, deeply impactful. I think for me personally, the thing that really resonated was when she said, if you don't feel, if you're not feeling imposter syndrome, then you've probably been in your job for too long. And I think it's interesting, I think in consulting that I I constantly feel imposter syndrome. And then I think, oh, am I like out of my league? Am I like... I should exit or like, it's not a good fit, but but it's actually like, it's almost like she turned that on its head for me. Like that's exactly where you wanna be. And when you're too comfortable and you know everything is when you should leave. I just thought that was really, it really did turn everything on its head for me. Like I never thought of it like that. And it's almost like empowering to have someone tell you like, no, if you feel that you're in the right place. Yeah, I think Elena needs to write a book, Lean In to Your Imposter Syndrome, and just combine <laughs> all the books of the Bride. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> well, that's a wrap on this episode of In Her Element, a podcast from BCG. Join us every week to hear stories from amazing women making an impact in STEM. And if you're interested in learning more about Women Who Code, be sure to visit womenwhocode.com to access some of their amazing resources. Mm-hmm.